And then when they were taken into Babylon, like the video said, they got there and all the Babylonians didn't like the Hebrew God. And so they gave them new names. And so Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego uh, were about the sun. They were named after the sun god or the moon god. The Babylonians prayed to the sun and to the moon. And so they, they had all these new ideas around them. People spoke a different language. Have you ever been somewhere where they spoke a different language? I lived in Kentucky for a while. And uh, they speak a different language there. Yeah, they do, don't they? Yeah, and sometimes you need a translator to understand what they're saying. And, and so the food's different and the culture's different. And everything's different. And it's not just that they chose to move there. The Babylonians had this incredible plan to capture the world, to expand their empire. And it was genius. Rather than kill everybody which gets messy and expensive and difficult. They would capture the best of the best. They'd surround the city. They'd take the best of the best. They'd carry them off into captivity, into exile. They would take the smartest, the most attractive. So like this side of the room over here. And they would leave mostly that seat right there. Hello. And they'd leave everybody else behind because you were poor or not as attractive or whatever. And, and they'd take the best and the brightest. They would want them to become Babylonian, to assimilate, to learn the language, to help uh, ba- the Babylonian army and science and farming and all kinds of crop development. And so Daniel went, and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego went, and a bunch of other people. And it was here that, that the plan was that they would learn to become Babylonians rather than Hebrew, rather than Jewish. And it worked for a lot of people. A lot of people started following Babylonian gods. But these fellas right here did not. And their story is found in Daniel chapter 3. We're not going to read it all because we watched that video. And it was very entertaining, better than I could probably do myself. But there is a part I want to read together. It's Daniel chapter 3. Nebuchadnezzar has built this giant golden statue 90 feet tall. Is that pretty tall, Ellie? Yeah. It is five giraffes tall. You see five giraffes on your paper? Yeah. That is a tall statue. And he said, when I play music, everyone's going to bow down. And, and so they play the music and everybody bows down other than these three fellas. Then they get someone t- tattletales on them. They get drugged in before Nebuchadnezzar. And they, so they get drugged before Nebuchadnezzar. So Daniel chapter 3, verse 13. In a violent rage, Nebuchadnezzar ordered them to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were brought before the king. Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, is it true that you don't serve my gods or worship the gold statue I've set up? If you are now ready to do so, bow down and worship the gold statue. That I've made when you hear the sound of the horn, pipe, zither, lyre, harp, flute, and every kind of instrument. But if you don't worship it, you'll be thrown straight into the furnace of flaming fire. Then what God will rescue you from my power? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered King Nebuchadnezzar. We don't need to answer your question. If our God, the one we serve, is able to... If our God, the one we serve, is able to rescue us from the furnace of flaming fire and from your power, your majesty, then let him rescue us. But if he doesn't, 
Know this for certain, your majesty. We will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you've set up. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We are in a series called More Than Tall Tales. We're looking at these stories that if you grew up in church or went to VBS or church camp, you've heard a lot. We've looked at the story of Abraham, and we're looking at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego tonight. We'll do Jonah in a couple weeks. Just some of them are, are familiar. They're stories we've heard or know. But what happens a lot of times is we forget that these stories are here to teach us and show us something about who God is and how we are supposed to live. And so the story today is don't bow down to 90-foot statues. Good? We all got it? All right, let's eat. Just kidding. <laughs> there is a story here for us to learn and, and to grow from. And, I, and a lot of times, if you've heard this preached, this, it, it, it goes like this. God will be with you in the fire. Because they, what happens is they get thrown in the fire because they refuse to bow down and and a fourth one appears who looks like the son of a god, Nebuchadnezzar says. And most people say that was Jesus appearing and showing up or the angel of the Lord. And God will be with you when you go through the fire. And that is true. Isaiah says that. I'll be with you when you go through the fire, when the, when the flood waters rise. But that is not, I don't think, the point of this story. There are fires in your life that will come. You will have hard times in your relationships, your job, your finances, and it will feel like fire. But this is not a story about trials. This is a story about worship. About who we worship and how we worship and how we align our hearts. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego standing out with all the officials. All the important people in Babylon. And there's this giant five giraffe tall statue. And everybody around them is bowed down to it. Now, I don't know how many of you have ever given into peer pressure in your life. I have, once or twice. But I imagine they wanted to bow. I imagine they felt uncomfortable. I imagine there were other Jewish children, teenagers, because these were not old guys, they were probably teenagers, who did bow. And I imagine they were kind of elbowing them. Just bow down. It's not a big deal, just bow down. Just bow down with your body and not your heart. That's the loophole I would have come up with. Like, I'm bowing on the outside, but on the inside, I'm still worshiping the Hebrew God. Because I don't personally want to be thrown into a flaming furnace, right? Like, yeah. Remember when I said you should sit by your mom if your mom's in here? Uh... You're lucky you're cute, kid. <laughs> I imagine that there was some tension and some pull and some what should we do? And what maybe they wanted to skip. I wonder what Daniel did. Daniel's not mentioned in the story. Did he call in sick? Did he avoid it? Was he out on official business? Or did he I can't imagine he bowed because later on in the story of Daniel, we see him stand up to the king as well. But I, I just imagine they were wrestling and what do we do? And they chose to draw the line and say, we cannot bow down to this, not just with our bodies, because if we do this, we're abandoning the one true God. 
And we believe there's this one true God, and it's certainly not Nebuchadnezzar, and it's not the sun, it's not the moon, it's the God who created the sun and the moon and Nebuchadnezzar. And, and so they don't bow, and they come before Nebuchadnezzar, he threatens them, and I love it, and they're just like, look, we're not going to do it, and our God might rescue us, but even if he doesn't, we're good. Now that's some incredible faith. Right? Like, I'm good if God doesn't rescue me. They, they didn't say, I'm confident God's going to rescue me. They said, he might. He could. He's, he's able to. And even if he doesn't, I would rather die no. being faith, not me, them in the story. Yeah. I would rather die being faithful to the one true God than bow down and worship this golden statue. Which is an, incre- an incredible story. Incredible act of faith. And so again, the lesson is don't bow down to 90-foot statues. The thing that we need to understand and examine tonight is we don't have a whole lot of 90-foot statues in our culture. People aren't melting down bronze statues of politicians, though it might not be as far-fetched longer. Um, we're not, there's not kings who are going to throw us in fiery furnaces if we don't bow. That, that's just not the world that we, in our context, live in. And I think that actually makes it a little bit harder for us to avoid the false gods and the idols that we see here. See, it'd be easier, I think, for me to not bow down to a statue than it is for me to not bow down to something like money. Because money, I have to have it. I live with it. I need to use it. It's in my pocket or hypothetically it's in my pocket. And it's just a part of our life and what we do. And, and, and I can use it and I can benefit from it, spend it and give it and not ever take inventory and see, am I actually bowing down to the God of money? Because there are a lot of people that worship money, right? Money is an idol. It's something that, an idol is anything that consumes our thoughts, our mind, our heart, that gets our devotion and our attention, things that we love more than Jesus, things that diminish our affection for God or our affection for our neighbors who Jesus tells us to love. So it can be anything. It can be money, power, security, friendship. The church can become an idol. The Bible can become an idol. We start using this as a weapon to hurt people rather than as... The story of God that calls people. We can make an idol out of really good things. Our family can become an idol. The Nebraska Cornhuskers can become an idol, Donnie. But Donnie's wrestled with that. No, the Eagles cannot become an idol. They are God's team. No, but Donnie, no, right? Donnie has shared part of his story. He's a diehard Cornhusker fan, if you don't know. And he actually, he's wrestled with how much it was affecting him. And if they lost, which was all the time. But he had to, and partially because they had some Christian Cornhuskers who came and shared that this is fun and this is good. But this is not the most important thing. And it really made an impact on, right? I'm not lying. Yeah. And he's learned to reorder. It's God first, then Cheryl, (laughs) then Cornhuskers. And his daughters are in there somewhere too. Maybe right under the courthouse. 
They can be any number of things. And, and because they're not giant statues, and because we're not, we're not held at gunpoint or held over flaming furnaces, I think what happens to us, people who want to follow the one true God, who want to be faithful, is we end up bowing down to idols over and over and over again without ever even realizing that we've done it. That these idols creep into our lives Because they're not big, because they're not scary, it'd be a whole lot easier to not bow down to a 90-foot statue than it is to not bow down to the fears and insecurities that happen inside here. Are you with me on that? Am I making sense? No? Okay. Do you have no clue what I'm talking about? Okay. Well, when you're grounded for the next month, we can talk about it. We are faced with choices every day, whether we will be faithful to the one true God or we will choose to go our own way. And it's so simple to make that choice the wrong way. When God says things like, uh, do not fear, that's really hard, right? There are a lot of scary things in the world. And what happens is fear becomes a lot of our motivation in life. This is what politicians use. To get us to vote for them. Fear. Be afraid of that side. Be afraid of that side. Be afraid of those people. Be afraid of those taxes. Be afraid of this thing. Fear. And we live in this, in this fear and it dictates how we treat other people, how we spend our time, how we spend our money, how we vote. And we operate from a place of fear, from scarcity, from worry. Rather than from a place of faith like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I am convinced... And if anybody needs to never come back again, you're free to. I am convinced that one of the biggest idols in the church in North America today is our politics. I'm convinced of it. And you cannot convince me otherwise because I am right. (laughs) I'm not always right, but I am right. When we are willing to do whatever for our side... And forsake what God has called us to do or excuse things that are downright evil or condone or ignore or whatever because my side that I vote with does it. If it was okay when they did it and now it's not okay because they did it, that's idolatry. We give our heart, our allegiance, our money to our political parties. And it is going to kill the church. I know lots of people who are walking away from churches because they look at the church and they don't. The gospel is political, okay? It is. It is always political because how we orient our lives and time and money and how we treat people, that is the gospel. But it is not partisan. We do not belong to a, to a political party because political parties are messy and they, and they are interested sometimes in good things but in power and in an agenda, we are interested in the kingdom of God. And Jesus didn't come and say, vote for me. He came and said, follow me. And so I believe we can vote and we can participate. If you'd like to talk about who to vote for, we can talk about <laughs> I'm not going to use this time. To, but but we got to be careful that I'm not bowing down and worship, giving worship to, giving allegiance to, Things that are contrary to what God wants for me, for the world. Oh, it's not a big deal. Or, oh, it's the lesser of two evils. <laughs> Friends, their choices were bow down or die. 
Bowing down is the lesser of two evils in that choice, right? Just bow down. It's the lesser of two evils. Sometimes we just have to decide that evil is evil. And you can kill me. Or we can lose the election. Or you can raise my taxes. Or you can arrest me. Or you can whatever me. Because I can't bow down. I can't be party to this because it is so against what God has called me to do. Or at work. Work easily becomes an idol. And we want success and we're driven. And those are good things. We celebrate that in our culture. But it can easily become where I find my identity. Mark and I just had this conversation. Even in pastoring. If my identity is in being your pastor and then suddenly I'm not your pastor anymore. What, where, what? But if my identity is in Christ. So if your identity is in your work or your, your security is in your job or your bank account. Those things can easily become the things that most dictate how you live. And maybe you were first faced with the choice of doing right or wrong. And if I do, and if I do wrong, I'll keep my job. Or I'll get ahead in my job. But if I do right, I could lose my job, or I could lose my friends, or I could... Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego say, go ahead. Fire us. Literally, fire us. (laughs) Because I'd rather die faithful to God than have all the right elected officials, than have the best job, than have all the money in the world, than have people like me, than have the biggest church. The church is guilty of chasing after the idol of growth and entertainment. And we put Christian stickers on it and we feel good about it. But if if what we're concerned with is how big we can get or how much money we have or how big a bill, it is idol worship. We're giving our heart to things that are not life-giving. A golden statue will do nothing for you. And as great as I've heard it might be to have money in the bank account, it can do nothing for you. It's paper. There is no life there. Why would I worship paper when I can worship the God who's created paper? Why would I give my life, my faith, why would I, why would I compromise so that people like me when the only one that matters has told me not to? We have to operate from a place of faith rather than fear. If I'm, if I'm fearful, then I'm going to bow down. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had settled. They were faith. We are confident that this God who created us is faithful and good and just and worth following. And they decided it before they got to the statue. Because they did it every day in little things. When, it, when it's going to cost us in big ways, the, the way that we have oriented our life up until that point is going to dictate how we do things. If I bow down to little things like Philadelphia Eagles football, then I'm probably going to bow down to big things. And I've had, I have literally had to make that change in my life. When we were dating, I'm standing on a chair watching a Philadelphia Eagles game chewing a pillow. And Kristen was like, what is wrong with you? Don't stand on chairs. That's the lesson. Go and do likewise. And when it did, it affected how my Mondays went when we lost. Like, or I had like ulcers. 
is this what is this what it means to have life to the fullest? Is this the kingdom of God? No. So when I'm stressing over my finances or my family or or entertain, like what 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 are we doing? What are we? See, we don't get thrown into fiery furnaces anymore. We do it to ourselves. We're consumed by the things of the world because we will become like what we worship. If we are not looking more like Jesus than like ourselves, or more like Jesus than our politicians, or more like Jesus than our bosses, then the, the fact of the matter is we've been worshiping things other than Jesus. We will become like what we worship. And if Jesus is full of grace and truth, then we should be full of grace and truth. If Jesus is merciful, kind, and just, if Jesus reaches out to the outcast and, and makes space at the table, and he goes to those who are sick and who are hungry, if he can sit down with the religious and be like, hey, let me lay it on you, then, then we should be that way. And if we're not, it's because our allegiance and our gaze has been fixed on other things. And we start to act and become like Nebuchadnezzar. And then we start, as the church has done in the past, we burn people at the stake because they question what we believe or we don't like what they do or we think they're out of bounds. And so then the church becomes the ones who throws people out or throws people in the fire, demands that you acquiesce to what we're doing. That is not the way of Jesus. The way of Jesus is this. Come, follow me. Let's figure this thing out together. You who have no money, come and buy. You who have, have thirst, come and drink. You who are tired and weary and broken down, come and find rest. You who have no answers, I am the truth. You who have doubts, I am the way. And so I want to focus my heart and my allegiance on Jesus alone. I don't want distractions. I don't want things. See, I, I think we have, we have so easily identified things that are really bad. And these things entangle us. So when I grew up, it was, it was don't smoke, drink, or chew, or go with girls who do. And if you do those things, then you'll be good. But I wasn't ever taught, be careful, because political parties are going to come along someday and they're going to want your, they're going to want your allegiance. And if I don't drink, smoke, or chew, or go with girls who do, but I give my heart to whatever, then I, I am just as lost. And if I avoid the big sins, I don't murder anybody, but I bow down at the feet of money or work or church growth, I've got nothing. And so we have an opportunity, like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, to say, Fire me. Kill me. Leave me. Don't ever come back. <laughs> I got a little nervous preaching this because I knew I was going to mention political parties. Because I've been in churches where if I said that, people wouldn't have come back. But you know what? I am more interested in us being faithful to the kingdom of God than whether or not anybody ever shows back up at this church. And if our allegiance is more to a political party or to a person than to the kingdom of God, then there are all kinds of places where you can go and find that. But if our allegiance is to the kingdom of God and that alone, if our worship is Jesus Christ and not people or things or success or money or security, 
If I'm more concerned in how I love my neighbor than how I take care of myself, I think we're getting it. Not that we do it perfectly. I don't. I have to fight this battle. It's easy for me to criticize those I disagree with and, and, and give grace to those I agree with. It's easy for me to be like, well, it's not really idolatry with money because I've got to have the newest iPhone. <laughs> I, it's easy. I can do this. But that's why we need this. We need this community to wrestle and question. And hey, what do you think about this? And what about this? And because there's times when we need, I need Dan to be like, listen, you're bowing down. Or I'm worried. It doesn't start as a 90-foot statue. It starts as a little tiny want or temptation or thing in our heart. And it grows and grows and expands and expands. And we need the church to help us be faithful. So that we can stand like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I love it. I almost wish the story ended with them being tossed in the fire. Because it wraps up too neatly. They throw them in the fire. Jesus shows up in the fire. They come out. They don't even smell like smoke. Which is, that's a miracle in itself. If you've ever been around a campfire. I went to the B&C barbecue yesterday. I still smell. <laughs> yeah, it smells great. <laughs> Bottle that up. Shower in it. And Nebuchadnezzar recognizes the goodness of their God and says, this is the one true God. And anybody, I love it, says, anybody, anybody who talks bad about this God, whoever speaks disrespectfully about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's God will be torn limb from limb in their house and be made a trash heap. <laughs> I'm not sure that he quite gets it yet. But he's realizing that this God is powerful and mighty and can rescue and is, and is bigger than his 90-foot statue. And so our faithfulness and our refusal to bend, it might cost us in big ways, painful ways. But it might be the very thing that points somebody else. Like, I, if they believe it that strong, then just maybe their God is worth following. That's what I want for my life. I have had more people unfriend me on Facebook because of my, my political views. I've had more debates. I've had more people mad at me, yell at me, because I don't do what they think I should do. I've had people leave a church because we don't sing the right songs. But if, if what... And not that, again, I don't... Oh, please, I do not always get it right. There might be a time when Matthew's going to be like, listen, <laughs> you're wrong. Sing that hymn again. But if we are collectively pursuing Jesus, the Messiah, the resurrected one, then and that's where our focus and allegiance is. And that's the thing that matters most. I think we're going to be formed and shaped in his image. If we let his spirit fill us and move us and shape us, we will, we will avoid the idolatry, the bowing, the surrendering ourselves and our hearts to the things of this world. I'd rather be thrown into the fire than be unfaithful to the God who's created me, who loved me. And we can say on this side of history, these people didn't know the name Jesus, who died on the cross for me, who forgave my sins. I'd much rather have my sins forgiven and go with that than give it all away to chase bank accounts and friends and 
politicians. They have not given themselves to us. The thing with idols is they use us and they consume us. They are empty and void. There is no life there, but there is life found in Jesus Christ. So may we be faithful to this Jesus. May we remember that God is with us. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego find God in the fire with them. God will be with us. Maybe we won't be saved, but we believe in an eternity. We believe that there is a life to come. That God is with us in the midst of our pain and suffering, our hardships, our trials. That if I lose my life, it is there I find it. And if I gain the whole world but lose my soul, I will be lost. And so we come to the table and we remember. We remember that this is what we give our lives to. That this God who gave himself to us is the ultimate God we're following. And the reason we do it every week is because we need reminded. We need to remember. I'm forgetful. Between now and next week, I will have opportunities to bow down to other things. And so when we come to the table, we come hungry and we come remembering and we come thankful and we come repenting and saying, God, are there things in my life that I'm giving myself to? Are there allegiances I have? Are there choices I've made? What things? Is it, is it family? Is it friends? Is it politics? Is it money? Is it success? Is it comforts and we ask God to show us and we repent of it and we turn from it we ask God to strengthen us help me not to bow down to these things I only want you you're the only God who's loved me enough to die for me you're the only God who's willing to forgive me at my worst you're the only God who's willing to breathe life where there is death so we come and we remember the night he was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it. He said, this is my body, which is given for you. Nebuchadnezzar never did that. Your favorite politician never did that. But Jesus Christ did. And he took the cup and he said, this is my blood, which is poured out as a new covenant. And we believe it preserves us and it makes us blameless, not because we've done the right thing or checked the right box, but because Christ is good and merciful. His grace is sufficient. And so we invite you to come. And here we, we invite you to partake. You don't have to be a member of this church. You don't have to be part of the church of the Nazarene. You don't have to do anything because it's Christ's table. The only thing we ask is that if you come, that you know that you need the grace of Jesus. And if you know that, whether for the first time or for the millionth time, you're invited to participate. And we come and we, and we take a piece of bread from the plate you dip it in the cup and you just take it right then and there. We invite you to say thanks be to God as a reminder that this is who our God is. And this is the only God worth worshiping. To resist the ways of the world is an act of worship. To say no to the things that are easy to say yes to is an act of worship. To ascribe worth and honor to our God alone. So Eli, would you come and would you serve alongside me this evening? As Christian and Matt play, I invite you to stand. You can sing along. You can come when you are ready. We invite you to remember and participate in Christ's death and his grace and to live your life in this way. Lord, I thank you for your goodness.
goodness and your mercy. I thank you that we can gather together and we can be reminded of this story of, of three men who were faithful at the, in the face of power and might and riches, who, who could have lost their job, who almost lost their lives. God, may we be faithful to resist the things in this world that tempt us, that call us, the things that distract us from you. God, help us to see where our allegiances are. Help us to see where our heart is. Help us to see what consumes our thoughts and our minds. May it be you and you alone. God, may we not diminish the call to love you with our whole heart because we're busy or because we want success or money or or politics. May we not diminish the love we have for our neighbor because we're chasing security or, or comfort or because we're afraid. God, help us to be faithful to you. May this bread and cup be more than just bread and cup. May we find your grace here. May you move through these elements to remind us of your goodness and your mercy. When we sing how great is our God, this is how great our God is. While we were yet sinners, you died for us. So God, meet us here. Help us to turn from things, from idols, from statues, from powers. Help us to focus on you. We pray this in Jesus' name.